You're listening to the Wobcast with the one and only, the legendary, the insurmountable Wobby. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Wobcast time. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, coming to you from TCO Studios at Winter Park in tandem, as always, with producer and co-host Chris Corso. Welcome back and welcome to first place, everyone. How's it feel, dude? It feels good to be in first place. We obviously had a great weekend last weekend beating the touted Green Bay Mm -hmm. Packers and seeing the Detroit Lions lose to the New Orleans Saints, who we beat earlier in the season. So it's good to be back and in first place. Uh, I think that Saints-Lions game was 52-38. to that was, was that's two high scoring offenses. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, and there were some defensive touchdowns in there as well. So sure. I, congr- I know you had over seventy nine and a half in that game. So yeah, I did you know, do that calculation. Yeah, already. way to go. Yeah, yeah good job <laughs> on you on that. Uh, it was a great weekend for the Vikings. They double dipped. They got a win over the Packers, and then they needed the Lions to lose if they wanted to be in first place, and that is what happened. Now, being in first place through six games, what does that get you? Nothing. Nothing. It doesn't get you anything nothing. at all. No. Um, I guess it gets you an increased position in the power rankings by Elliot Harrison. We're going to get to that in a little bit. We will get to that. We'll unveil our own personal power rankings as well, and we'll see how uh, how we compare to Elliot Harrison. And you guys can um, think about your power rankings and see how they compare to ours. That'll be a lot of fun. We have fan mail coming up. Know your enemy. We'll talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Lots of stuff coming up in the show, but we're going to start it out um, with maybe the impetus behind the Vikings – rise to first place in the NFC North. The offensive line and its performance, they've been playing very well this season. Their coach is Tony Sperano, and he's also our guest on the Wobcast today. So before we get to all the other stuff we're going to get to, we're going to kick this thing off by talking to Tony Sperano, who joined us right here in these studios earlier in the week. Okay, so we have Vikings offensive line coach Tony Sperano here. Um, a treat to get to talk to a coach during the week because you guys are so busy game planning and getting ready. So you're taking a few minutes out of your schedule to chat with us, and we appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We scored on a screen pass yeah. <laughs> against Green Bay, and it's like I, don't know, I can't remember a lot of highlights of ours in the screen game um, last year. I bet you were really tickled to see that play go to the house. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, first of all, it was something that we saw on tape during the week, you know, as we were watching uh, – you know, watching our film as coaches, but, you know, getting out there and being able to execute it, you know, I mean, that's on the players. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're fortunate that we got some big guys that can run in space right now. And, you know, on that particular play, Michael Floyd did a heck of a job out there. But, you know, you saw Pat uh, get down the field, Pat Elfline get down the field and make a big block peeling back, and then Serrell's being up the field. You know, and that's something that's been really good for us is just the way the interior people, you know, really the whole group can run right now. It's helped the screen game quite a bit. Yeah, and is that, I mean, getting bigs to block littles, that's how you guys talk about it, I know, behind the scenes, right? And that that's not a given. That's a hard thing to do. Sometimes. No, it's a hard thing to do, and, you know, you got to find the right people to be able to do it. And I think – you know, we feel like we have that group, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, the big run Jarek has, Nick Easton from the backside comes all the way from the backside and makes a, a huge block on that and yeah. pats out in the alley, you know, and to be able to get those guys to run and, you know, I call them the, uh, the Smurfs, mm-hmm. but uh, when those guys get out and move in space, you know, they're pretty good in space of getting on people and, uh, you know, and being able to get people on the ground. Yeah. 
let's go outside of the Smurfs because you're, you're talking about the three interior guys. Yes. Right? So let's go outside of those two. Your two tackles. They're both new players for us. Well, I, I guess Mike Remmers isn't technically new because he yeah. was a Viking before. Right. Uh, before this year, he's back for his second stint. But two big additions for you in the off season. How's it going so far? It's going really well. You know, I mean, I think. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, they both bring uh, a different attitude into the room, you know, and uh, their their attitude, their demeanor, they're great pros, uh, but they're tough guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they like to work. They like to get out there and practice and work, and they want to get better every day. They're very curious, you know, and they love challenges. And I, I think, you know, Riley, he plays with a good disposition and a good attitude, and you know, Remmers does too. And I think Remmers is, you know, he's the guy that kind of flies under the radar a little bit out there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he makes a lot of things right out there, and he's a tough guy. And, you know, I think when you get two tough tackles that don't miss quickly out there, you know, you give yourself a chance. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we've been able to do is give ourselves a chance. Yeah. You mentioned um, earlier Pat Elfline, mm-hmm. you know, rookie center. So – I would imagine there were times when you were, um, you know, you wanted to grab him by the by the neck and wring, wring his neck. But I bet you there have also been times when you've been doing cartwheels behind the scenes because you're so pleased with him. What's it like with a rookie center? Well, you know, I, I think it was probably, uh, you know, the stressful times were early on, you know, uh, getting him to learn it, getting him to understand that, you know, our system and what he did in college are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they and again, you know, everybody does it differently, but. He didn't have as much on his plate, you know, certainly. So getting him to understand it and getting him to learn it, you know, was the biggest thing. But Pat's a kind of a – he's a little bit of a football head, and he likes being in the room, and he likes learning football, and he asks good questions, and he's a smart guy. So – and the thing I've been most impressed with with him and and the area that, you know, I think that I would say that I would do cartwheels is that – He's pretty calm under pressure, you know, yeah. and, and I think, you know, there's he's been in some stressful situations out there and he's gotten us lined up, you know, and, uh, you know, has been able to come off the field and tell me exactly what he saw. And, you know, he, he benefits from having Nick Easton and Joe in there because they've played the positions. So mm-hmm. those guys respect, you know, what goes on in there with the center. But really, Pat has done all the work there from, you know, that standpoint, and he's worked hard at it. Why do you think we've given up um... – such a, a large discrepancy, fewer sacks this season. I was hoping we wouldn't say that, but uh, um, why? I why? honestly just think that, uh, you know, I think this group moves their feet well yeah. and they like to fight you. Yeah. You know, and I think just that, you know, we, we talk a lot in the room about one last shove, you know, try to get the last shove in. And I think that one last shove at times when you play on your feet and you'll, and you'll fight in there a little bit, you know, I think gives the quarterback that one extra tick to get the ball out. And then, you know, a lot of credit has to go to, you know, to Case and, and you know, to Sam and those guys mm-hmm. too because they get the ball out, you know, and, and they've done a nice job of, you know, being able to do that. But at the end of the day, you know, we're charged with having to block five guys usually in, in, in most cases. Uh, and a lot of teams are rushing five people against us, singling us up, and, you know, it comes down to one-on-one matchups. And if you get the last shove in and you're willing to fight in a one-on-one situation, it gives yourself a chance of pass protection. Yeah. Why were you saying you hope I didn't ask that? To, to jinx it, you mean? Yeah, we just we, we want to we wanna just keep right. going in the right. right direction. Yeah, you do that. I'll worry about the hyperbole, <laughs> yeah, okay? Go. I'll handle all you're that. Um, here's a, a technical question, not a Viking-specific question, but mm-hmm. it's something that announcers talk about a lot. And – I just want people who are listening who might not know the difference to understand it, including right. myself. Zone blocking 
and I guess it would be man blocking or a power scheme. Yeah, maybe. gap scheme. Ball, okay, right. gap scheme. Mm-hmm. You could you could probably talk about this for three hours. Like yeah, you could do a yeah. college course on this. We don't have time for that. Neither do you. Yeah. So. Can you give us the basics, zone blocking, gap blocking? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you're gap scheme blocking, you're putting two people on one person, really, you know. And uh, yeah, actually, we just talked about it in a room a little while ago. You know, you get whatever it is, 650 pounds, you know, yeah. on 300 pounds, you yeah. know. And, and, you know, we should be able to move a down player into the second level and, and to be able to, you know, to find linebackers that way or get linebackers to have to run a different course one way or the other and, and disrupt the front. We, we call them dents in the offensive line when mm-hmm. we're double teaming. Zone blocking is more lateral movement stuff, you know, where it is a little bit more one-on-one and you got to get out and you got to run and you got to get your hats in specific spots. And I think that's something that this group has embraced. It's not something that we did here when I came here uh, initially. And it's something that, that really, you know, we've kind of uh, evolved to a little bit, uh, particularly with the runners, you know, that we have. Um, you know, they can run both schemes. You know, certainly a guy like, you know, whatever, Delvin, you know, Jarek, uh, you know, Latavius, they've all run both schemes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to be able to move laterally, laterally a little bit here and stretch them one way and then come downhill at them yeah. with gap scheme plays, you know, that causes the defense a, a, a problem. If you're one-dimensional that way and you're only doing one thing, you know, they okay. can kind of hurt hurt you a little I bit. I got it. So you try not to be a gap scheme guy or a um, zone-blocking scheme guy. You try to – Yeah, I think it's both, really right? important to have the mix of both, okay, okay. because when that yeah. defensive tackle sees that, that hat come off one way – and he thinks, hey, here comes just another double team. Mm-hmm. You know, they can anchor into a double team. They can go to the ground on a double team. You know, but if all of a sudden that hat is coming off and it's a lateral movement play, they got to get to run in two. And mm-hmm. that's where I think, you know, our speed up front helps us a little bit. Okay. Last question, and then uh, we'll get you out of here. Our defensive line. Right. I mean, you get to practice against some every day, mm-hmm. and especially like in training camp, you saw them a bunch and there was big battles. Yeah. I mean, what what are other offensive line coaches looking at when they come and they got to get ready for the Vikings in, in a week? What you know, I know you feel their pain because you do it every day in practice. But yeah. talk about those guys up front. How good well, I mean, they're outstanding. You know, I mean, I, and uh, you know, we actually did an exercise this off season where Coach Zimmer had us go back and he had me, you know, look at our defensive line. You yeah. know, and when you're watching them in season, and because I don't really get to do that, my back is turned. But when you're watching them playing games, they're a really dominant group. They all have different, you know, sets of skills. But obviously, our edge rushers, you know, the the, the three, you know, the three guys there, you know, with B. Rob and and uh, you know, Daniel and uh, and, and Griff, yeah. you know, they cause you problems because they're speed guys that can play with speed to power, and that's an issue. You know, I mean, a speed guy is one thing, you know, but when they can put their foot in the ground and get the power on you. In a one-on-one situation, they can get you crossed up a little bit. That's an issue. They squeeze the pocket from the outside in, and then the two big guys inside, they're real pushers. And, you know, Linval's a a handful, and Shamar is playing really well right now. So, you know, they squeeze you uh, from the outside in and then push the pocket from the middle. Those kind of battles, you know, they're they're really hard, yeah. you know, to, to be able to sit in there and anchor down on a guy like Linval, yeah. you know. So uh, I'm kind of glad we don't have to practice against him right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, All righty. Well, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, great chatting with you. Have a good week of practice. Good luck on Sunday.
and uh, and hopefully we get out of there with a victory. Thank you. That's the objective. All Thanks. Right. See you, Coach. All right, welcome back. I was very interested in uh, what Tony Sperano was saying, especially about the zone blocking and the man mm-hmm. blocking. Pretty and good. You don't think about those things. The average fan doesn't think about uh, the way Tony Sperano does when he's been in the NFL for however many years that he's been around. Well, I got those numbers for you. 35 years coaching, 19 wow. in the NFL for Tony Sperano. He's been with a bunch of different NFL teams, and you were talking to him after we were done recording um, you remember him with the Jets, but um, he's been with the Jets, the Raiders, the Niners, and the Vikings here in the last um, decade or so, and we're glad he's here. And look, you give the guy some talent, you give him uh, Pat Elfline and Riley Reef and Mike Remmers, and he's starting to uh, to show what he can do here. So give Tony Sperano a lot of credit for the offensive improvement that we've had. Um, a couple of stats that maybe illustrate the effect the Vikings offensive line has had. 72.7 yards is the average scoring drive for the Vikings this season. Wow. 72.7 yards, average scoring drive. Seven scoring drives of 80 yards or longer, and 30 plays of 20-plus yards. So I give the offensive line some credit for those stats. They're not the only ones doing it, but um, obviously if you don't have the blocking, um, you can't sustain drives like that. We saw that last year. Yes, <laughs> and if you don't have the blocking, you don't have time to sit in the pocket and throw the ball downfield for those explosive plays. So um, offensive line doing a great job. Congrats to Tony Sperano. Um, we're only six games through, so a long ways to go, but I think that group's getting better every single week, so that's good. Like you said, let's keep it going. He yep. didn't want to talk about the success. He just that's wants right. to keep on moving on, which yep. I like to hear that from uh, from him. Yeah, me too. All right, we're going to move on to... Big news here at Winter Park this week, and that is the return of Teddy Bridgewater to the practice field. Yep. We, were, we were all here on that day uh, 14 months ago when he went down, and uh, we were just so many hopes for that season last yeah. season. And Dashed. when he went down, it was just like, wow. Yeah. Wow. This is, uh, this is a big hit. Yep. Obviously, the trade for Sam Bradford made by Rick Spielman was a great offseason trade to bring in a guy who – Played unbelievable last year. Actually broke an NFL all-time record in completion percentage. Um, and he's been injured this year. Yep. So now you go to a, a guy named Case Keenum who has filled in and won three games for us this season so far in the absence of Sam Bradford. So you have a lot of news going on at the quarterback yeah. position. Yeah, and this was number, the number one, no, I think the number two or three storyline in the five storylines article that we put up every week yep. uh, previewing the opponent was quarterback questions. They, they continue. And you have Teddy Bridgewater coming back to practice, still on the pup. So he's the 54th member of our roster. He's practicing. The Vikings have a 21-day window to practice Bridgewater. At any point in that 21-day window or on the 21st day, they can choose to put him on the 53-man roster, which means he's eligible to play in games. If they don't do that when 21 days expires, then he goes to season-ending IR. So that's kind of what we're looking at with Teddy. Then you have Sam Bradford. Zim keeps getting asked about Sam. How is he? Is he in the building? What's he doing? Is he going to play? You know, and Zim's being coy about that wisely because Zim doesn't – he can't see the future. He doesn't know what's going to happen with Sam. So it's crazy to me, as well as Case Keenum has done, stabilizing the quarterback position – and this is what I wrote about in the five storylines yep. thing. I mean, we're three and two in games that Case plays, I believe. Um, so he stabilized the position. He's playing well enough for us to win games. We still have all these questions about the quarterbacks because it's the highest profile position 
in the game, and uh, and we've got two guys who are dealing with injuries. Teddy obviously coming back from one, and Sam dealing with the current one. So that was big news this week. I know we had Tom Pelissero, um of the NFL Network of NFL Media here talking about it, um, and we also have some Teddy audio that you've cut up, right? That's right. We have two big uh, pieces of audio here. Teddy addressed the media for the first time on Thursday uh, since training camp when he uh, first came out and, mm-hmm. and spoke about his injury there. So we're going to cut to the report from Tom Pelissero on Wednesday uh, talking about when Teddy returned to the field, and then we'll let Teddy take over and kind of update us on how he's doing there. All right, roll the tape. With the Vikings, look, it's, it, it's a huge step. Tom cannot overstate how important this is. Some people in that building thought he may never play again. He, he's back on the practice field. Do we think there's any shot of him playing in the near future? The Vikings are optimistic. When you speak to people around this building and you speak to teammates, you heard Zimmer say it, pump the brakes a little bit. He's got a long ways to go. What we saw him do when the media was allowed to practice today was just some individual drills. We've seen him do that before. He's got a big brace and a sleeve on that left knee. I spoke to a couple players after practice who said Bridgewater did work into team drills a little bit today. Tight end Kyle Rudolph kind of deadpan that he looked like Joe Montana out there. Really, he looked fine. He was moving around, and that alone is a big step because these guys remember where Bridgewater was the last time that he was on the practice field 14 months ago. I've spoken to people who have watched Bridgewater throughout his rehab process. Right now, my understanding is he is on a pitch count, but he has no limitations from a medical standpoint. People say that he looks strong. His arm looks really good. The questions are the mobility. How well does he move around and how well does he react to what Mike Zimmer called the uncontrolled environments that you see in practice? He does have a ways to go here. It'll be Case Keenum again for the Vikings on Sunday against Baltimore, Andrew. Oh, man. Um... It's great to be back out there yesterday, um, working with the guys. Uh, it's been a long 14 months, um, but it was great to be back out there, see reaction from the guys, uh, reaction from the fans. Um, just meant a lot to me. Um, you know, got to continue to get better now. Um, those many milestones, you know, uh, just being able to get back on the football field yesterday, that was a mini milestone, and I uh, still got some work to do, so just looking forward to it. How are you feeling after your first one? How are you feeling after your first day? I was feeling pretty good. Um, you know, it's just great to be out there with the guys. Uh, you know, I've been working, you know, in the doghouse, in the backyard, uh, by myself. So to be able to get out there with the guys, it was pretty fun. I'm feeling pretty good. How long did you think about that moment? You know, kind of running back out the tunnel. You know, putting your jersey back on that whole thing. Man, I, I've been thinking about that moment every day. You know, because I use it as motivation, you know, to, you know, I use that to tell myself, hey, I'm one step closer. So um, being out there, running out of that tunnel yesterday, just did something to me in a, in a good way. All right, you hear from Teddy. The only thing better than hearing from Teddy is watching Teddy out on the practice field. That has been really cool to do this week and also good to hear from him. Okay, um, the Baltimore Ravens, that's who the Vikings play on Sunday. Kickoff is at noon central time at U.S. Bank Stadium. The Vikings, 4-2, and two, playing the Ravens, 3-3, three and three, AFC North versus NFC North. This is the, let's see, the third of four AFC North opponents we'll play this season, I believe. We played the Steelers. We played the Steelers. Um... Oh, this we is the second the, of four. Yeah, we play the Browns in London. Yeah, this is the second of four. Yep. Um, so uh, we have back-to-back games against the AFC North here with the Browns in London next week. So this is the Baltimore Ravens. 
Uh, know your enemy. What do you got for me, Chris, on the Baltimore Ravens as they get set to come to Minnesota on Sunday? All right. Well, the Ravens are three and three, second in the NFC North. Behind AFC North. AFC North. Yep. I'm used to saying NFC North. Right. That's why I threw that. Three there. and three, second <laughs> in the AFC North. And they're right behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay. who we did see earlier this year. Um, the Ravens are two and one on the road this season, so that's something to keep in mind there. Also, they are a playoff team in six of the last eight seasons, which is. Un- unbelievable. You forget that about the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, you do. Yeah. And that's because they have a quarterback who has been widely, uh, he's been a big topic of, of debate on yeah. whether he is elite or not. Right, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the whole thing. Is Flacco elite. That's what everyone likes to debate. And Joe Flacco it has been a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He is, I believe, the third Super Bowl winning quarterback we've played so far. And uh, Big Ben and Drew, Drew Brees. Brees. Rodgers. Rodgers, true. We played him. Wow, for sixth place. I, I forgot about Rodgers. Yeah, we played him for sixth place. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right, so we'll, we'll make it the fourth Super Bowl winning quarterback, yeah. and hopefully we can shut him down as we have done for most of these quarterbacks so far this season. He completed 24 of 41 passes for 180 yards and no touchdowns and two interceptions last week in the loss against the Chicago Bears. Um, he has 1,004 passing yards on the season with four touchdowns and eight interceptions. That is not what you expect out of Joe Flacco, who's right. been a veteran in this league. That's right. Um, it was interesting last week, Chris, to look at the stats of Aaron Rodgers versus Mike Zimmer in their careers. Yeah. Um, and now you can do that with Joe Flacco because Zim was in the AFC North as the Bengals defensive coordinator and played Joe Flacco 12 times. Bad news, Flacco is 7-5 and five against Mike Zimmer. That's pretty good. That's you, pretty good. Yeah, that's a good record. Um, the good news for us is... They're not winning those games because of Joe Flacco's stats. Here are the numbers. Joe Flacco against Mike Zimmer. He's thrown more interceptions, 15, than touchdowns, 12. Wow. He's been sacked 26 times. He's averaged 178 passing yards per game, and his cumulative passer rating against Mike Zimmer, 71.9. I'll take that. Pretty good. I'll take that on Sunday. Pretty good. So uh, the Ravens had a good defense themselves and a good running game with Ray Rice, so obviously they rode Ray Rice and the defense to wins over Mike Zimmer. Um, But Joe Flacco's number's not very good. So Flacco's looking to atone for that and get his team uh, back on the winning track after um, not a very good loss um, to the Chicago Bears last weekend. But... The Joe Flacco-Mike Zimmer matchup is a good one to watch. That is a good one to watch, and I'll tell you one thing Mike Zimmer didn't have when he went against Joe Flacco all those What's years that? was the crowd at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, that's right. That so matters. That that might be a factor as well. That does matter. It's uh, <laughs> It's been a factor this season so far, and it's cool because everyone who played against the Vikings at the Metrodome talked about the noise there and how loud it was, and now people are still saying that about the Vikings' home field advantage, even though it's a different building, so that's very good. It really is unbelievable. All right, we'll move on to the running backs here. Uh-huh. Uh, Mike Zimmer did say he was impressed with the running backs, the combo that this team has uh, so far this season. They did lose Danny Danny Woodhead earlier in the year um, to a season-ending end, injury. He's on the IR. Um, but they do have a couple young running backs that they throw in, a little mix of uh, Terrence West um, out of Towson. He was a young running back yeah. who did play for the Cleveland Browns back in the day, and he's kind of a heavier back that they have there um, with the Ravens. And then there's a guy by the name of Alex Collins who comes out of Arkansas. He's a rookie this year, and he's been probably their go-to back in the past few games. Um, The Ravens ran for 125 yards on 26 carries, and Collins had 74 of those yards on 15 carries. And then 10 of those other carries came from Javaris Allen, 
who ran for 49 yards, and he's been another kind of change of pace back uh, that this team has turned to this year. So three backs that you have to keep an eye on, and uh, Coach Zimmer and his defense are definitely going to have their hands full when looking at three different backs out of yep. the Ravens' backfield. Yeah, they will, and that matters. You know, the Vikings have the number three defense in the NFL, I believe. It's like um, three yards per carry or yep. 3.2 yards per carry. So, um, But they, they do have different backs that they, they can throw at you, and as we know from having Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray, it's two, it can be two different styles of runners, too, when you're throwing in multiple backs. So I do not take the Ravens running game for granted. I do think the Vikings are going to have to be buttoned up in the running game. I think the, the Vikings being so good on third down is partly a function of being really good on first down where they're giving up 3.2 yards per carry on first down. So, um, you know, they're not getting um, the defense in a spot where it's second and five and third and two. Like, it's on average, it's third and eight against the Vikings. That's what the average is, 7.8 yards to go on third down for Vikings opponents. And I think a big reason for that is we've been good against the run, so we got to keep being good against the run against these Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think Terrence West is on the injury report, so it'll be – Interesting to see if he plays in this game. Obviously, you don't want anyone to be hurt, but I'd love to play the Ravens without Terrence West. It'd be one less headache for us, but we'll see what happens as the week goes on. And then speaking of third and eight, when you're at third and eight, you're going to one of these wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And in Baltimore, they have two veterans, one by the name of Mike Wallace. We know him. We know him. We yep. saw him uh, here with, uh, that was Teddy's year back in 2015. Um, and then there's another one in Jeremy Macklin, and he was the longtime uh, Philadelphia Eagle, played for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's solid. He is a solid player. He's been a, he's been a staple in some of the uh, Andy Reid offenses of mm-hmm. the past. So we'll we'll keep an eye out on these two guys. Mike Wallace does lead all wide receivers there um, with uh, 330 yards this season. And then they do have a tight end, uh, Benjamin Watson, who who is a veteran. Uh, play for the Patriots back in the day with Tom Brady, who has a team high in 24 receptions. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye out on him. Yeah, the uh, the Ravens are a little banged up at tight end. Crockett Gilmore, Dennis Pitta both not playing, so they're relying on Benjamin Watson. And then, um, you know, at receiver, Jeremy Macklin didn't play last week. So uh, they had to rely on Mike Wallace a little more than usual and, and some of their younger players. So um, this group, not void of talent, but void of a legitimate, bona fide, big-time stud that you stick Xavier Rhodes on for the whole game. They don't have that guy. No. So it'll be interesting to see how the Vikings play this with their secondary, how Mike Zimmer chooses to defend these receivers. That's for sure. Um, now we'll go to the other side of the ball, and we're going to go to the defense. Uh, Mike Zimmer was asked about this defense because he certainly has seen mm-hmm. uh, them a, n- a number of times back when he was with Cincinnati. Um, he says it's not the same team that he played back in the day. There are some uh, f- familiar faces in Terrell Suggs, uh, he mentioned Jimmy Smith, one of the yeah. corners there. Um, but tell us about this defense. They're they're a different group than than we've seen in the past. Yeah, they are, and I think they got some names that maybe you don't really know, but they're still good players. Um, it it is a really good defense. They're number three in third down defense, thirty three percent is what they allow. They're number five in pass defense, one hundred and ninety yards per game. They're number four in passer rating allowed. Wow. They're tied for second with fourteen takeaways, and they're tied with us for seventh with 16 sacks. So this team can take the ball away. And um, it's a good defense, and nothing will be easy against this team. I know they're not great against the run, but some of those – some of those stats and rankings against Baltimore were like Jordan Howard had like a 65-yard run against them in overtime last yeah, week. That's a pad, that's a padded number for sure. Yeah, I mean that counts, you yeah. know, that, that that's why they lost the game pretty much that run. Yeah. So it counts, but 
you know, you're not ripping off 65 yard runs against Baltimore Ravens all the time. Yeah, you know, so, sure. um, so I think it's a really good defense, and I think points are going to be at a premium in this game. I think this is, you know, this is an under defensive matchup. Yeah, yeah. this is an under, and uh, for the people in Clark County who pay attention <laughs> to this stuff, this is an under game for them. There you go. You heard it here first. Yeah. Um, now we'll go over to special teams real quick. Uh, Mike Zimmer did say he regards this special teams unit as the best in the league. Um, they have a kicker, Justin Tucker, who can pretty much hit a field goal from yeah. anywhere on the field. Yeah, he's good. You want to know what one thing about him? Yeah. He's not missed an extra point since they moved it back to the 15. That is a big deal because you've seen us you miss a few. Me? You've seen a lot of teams and kickers oh. struggle in this league. You saw in Hard Knocks, you saw Ridiculous. a guy, Roberto Aguayo, get get. Pretty yeah. much his job taken it's away ridiculous. from him. He's, he's not missed an extra point. I mean, come on, give me a break. Let's Ugh. change that up. Let's open those doors, have him kick one against the wind at U.S. Bank Stadium. There you go. I don't I know. Can, the yeah. guy's freaking good. <laughs> he's good. He's he's good, and he has some other talents off the field that we've seen on uh, yeah. on TV there. He, he's an opera singer, apparently. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> good he's, for good. him. he's one of those guys who's good at everything, right? I guess yeah, so. We're happy for him. Yeah, he's good, man. Uh, Sam Koch is good. They have, they're the only team in the NFL, Chris, with a punt return touchdown and a kickoff return touchdown. They both happened last yeah. week, yeah. right? Yeah, they're the only yeah. team with both. So they can change the game on special teams. And guess what? John Harbaugh, he cut his teeth in the NFL as what? A special, special teams. teams coordinator. Back so, in Philly. Yeah, yep. so no surprise that this is a really good special teams group. All right, well, we're going to move on. Now that you know everything you need to know about, or just about everything, mm-hmm. about the Baltimore Ravens, we're going to look at the power rankings. All right, the always controversial they're, power rankings. They're up and down, they're here and there, especially yep. when it comes to us after losing a few back and forth there at the beginning of the season. But we do have to note that we are back in the top ten. Oh, we are, in the huh? top ten this week. Well, I got us in the top ten, too. I, I, I like to hear that. All and right. Another guy who has us in the top ten is Elliot Harrison of NFL.com. He does his power rankings on every Tuesday morning. Um, they are a big uh, read for NFL fans all over the country. Um, he has his eye on every team, and he did move us way up, moved us up eight spots. We're going to send you some audio here on the Wobcast and listen to what he has to say of why we are up to the ninth spot. Hey, Vikings fans, Elliot Harrison here with the Power Rankings, and Minnesota up pretty big this week. One of the things I've talked about a lot is with the Rams and the Steelers moving up, Minnesota moves up big. It's because so many of the teams ahead of them were either on a bye or lost. For the Minnesota Vikings, how can you not circle the defense? I mean, there's been so much talk about Sam Bradford and what his career looks like right now and Case Keenum filling in and even Teddy Bridgewater practicing. Then you had Dalvin Cook getting hurt and Jarek McKinnon stepping in. But we're showing you defense because that's really the bread and butter of this football team. That's Mike Zimmer's discipline. That's how he built his NFL career. And that guy right there, number 22, Harrison Smith, I think should be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. You know, a safety-winning Defensive Player of the Year is kind of like a running back winning MVP. It is tough to do, but Harrison Smith's having as good a year as anybody on the defensive side of football. Maybe way too early for that kind of talk, but either way, he's a big reason, as well as all of his defensive teammates, that the Vikings are up eight spots to number nine. All right, so Elliot's got us at nine. I did it. I just wrote it down here. I scratched it out uh, while we were listening. Um, you tell me. I'll tell you what I got for my top ten. Yeah, you. No, you, I'll do twelve. I'll okay. do top twelve because twelve teams make the playoffs. There you go. You tell me what's wrong with this. I got I got Philly at number one. You cool with that? I'm cool. I'm cool with Philly at number one, but I would say maybe 
Maybe go with the Chiefs at number. I got one. them at number two. You have them at number two. So yeah. you you're more Kansas City than Philly. I'll than... go. I'll I'll go with Andy Reid. I think he's okay. done a great job this year. I go Kansas City one, Philly two. But we're we're back and forth. Now after that, I think this thing is a crapshoot. I mean, because I got a team. I got New England third, okay. Dallas fourth, and Pittsburgh fifth. So you have no nothing to do with the rent. You want nothing to do with Los Angeles. I got them in the top twelve, but they're not in the top five. That's funny because Elliot Harrison has them all way up there yeah, I know. in the top three. That's yeah. actually the headline of his article there. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you, though. All right. So we got, um, I go Philly, Kansas City, New England, Dallas, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Minnesota, Seattle, the Rams at 10. Oh, sorry. I, I messed this up. Minnesota at 7, Carolina at 8, okay. then Seattle, the Rams, Denver, and Washington. I got Washington. In my top 12. I like them. Wow. I, I like Washington, too. I think they have a great offense. Yep. I think they have a good defense as well. I keep them in the top there. But you are not high on those Rams. <laughs> I got them too low at 10. Yeah, you got them low. They're, they, they are 5-1 five, They're five and one this year. Oh, man. I might. Yeah, you're right. I, no, I, I get it. Um, I wasn't. Right, I wasn't one to buy in on them yet either, especially with a, a young quarterback there who uh, – has definitely improved this year. They won on the road at Jacksonville last week, right? They did. That's and, pretty solid. And they beat uh, Dallas this year. so. Mm, and I got Dallas way up there. There might be a flaw in my ointment here. <laughs> or a fly in my ointment, I should say. No, I, I, a lot of people don't believe in this team. That's why they're yeah. a team that, uh, that has not been up there. Right. But see, what we're talking about right now yeah. illustrates how wide open this thing is. It like, is there, crazy. There are not a bunch of teams head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean... In this thing alone, let's see, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, I got seven NFC teams, five AFC teams, so it's pretty even when it comes to the conferences. And after Philly and Kansas City, it's hard to to say there is a bona fide, no doubt about it, number three team. It's I a bunch of teams that. that you can make a compelling case for. You look at the Patriots and they almost without that call there at the end, they almost lost to the New York Jets. I mean, yeah. that was a close game with yep. one of the teams who were trying to tank at the beginning of the season. Right. So um yeah, I, I agree there. It's it's crazy to see um the fluctuation in, in the league this year. A team like Seattle who has been the NFC's cream of the crop for so many years and they're uh, not playing to the, to the level that they have in the past yeah. few years. And the same goes for the Cowboys. They have yeah. not been uh, what they were last year at all. Well, yeah, and, like, the Packers aren't in there because of Rodgers. The Lions aren't in there, even though they beat us. Yeah. And Atlanta, I have a sixth, even though they just lost at home to the Dolphins, who are not in my top 12. It's So you can really tear apart. My power rankings are kind of awful. <laughs> I, I, you, can, I, you can rip them. No, no, I, I, don't, I don't hate them. <laughs> I like sticking with the teams who... Uh, played have played well in the past, um, mm-hmm. not just going week to week like some of these experts yeah. do. Well, we'll um, see what happens. This thing changes a bunch from week to week. That's the point of this segment is to, yeah. just to tell you that this league is wide open this yeah. year. right. All right, let's get to some fan mail. we got three of them. What do you got? All right, we're back with the fan mail, and we're going to start out with John Sowers, who is talking about the hit on Aaron Rodgers. He's talking about Mike McCarthy here. He's talking about Mike Mike McCarthy. So let's see where Mike McCarthy is complaining about the hit on Rodgers. If Rodgers doesn't put his arm out and break his fall, he probably doesn't get injured. Feel like it was a clean hit. I've seen a lot worse for sure. Guess it adds fuel to the fire for the Vikes-Packs rivalry. Yeah, it does. That, it does. I think uh, we can all agree on that. This will increase the rivalry between the Vikings and the Packers for sure. Um, I think it was a clean hit. I think it was um, 
a, a football play that we see in every game, every season, uh, every week. Yep. Jameis Winston had the same type of thing happen to him. He sprained the AC joint in his shoulder. Um, you know, and so I thought it was a, a football play that we see regularly. And look, when you leave the pocket and you throw on the run, you make a lot of plays, but you also expose yourself because you are now a runner. You are not afforded the protections you are afforded in the pocket as a quarterback. And if anyone's going to get a 50-50 call to protect them, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And he didn't get this one, and the ref is right there looking at it. So I don't like to see anyone get hurt ever, but I think it was a clean hit. But I understand Mike McCarthy's frustration. Obviously, this changes a lot of things for them. It does not doom them. It just makes it a lot tougher for them. So I understand his frustration, but I don't think it was a dirty play by Anthony Barr. I didn't think so either. I, I watched it a, a few times, and I, and I don't see anywhere where it could be a dirty play. If that's yeah. a dirty play, we might as well not be we tackling. Put, we could use flags for the quarterbacks. We can play flag right. football for right. quarterbacks. If that's what they want to do um, to preserve some of these top names in the league, be my guest, but that would take out a lot of fun out right. of this game. That's, that's right. for sure. All right. All right. We'll go to Jeff Kilty from Sacramento, California. Some fans out there in California. Yep. I've noticed on several third down plays, Keenum has thrown to a target who is just short of the line of gain and, and gets tackled for it short of the marker, leading to a fourth down and a punt. I understand the need for a safe outlet, but it feels like the wide receivers may be getting cut from their routes short. Yeah. Am I wrong here? I don't want to say he's wrong because I think that's happened. Um, but the one thing to remember is the the defenders know where the line to gain is too, and so that's they're basing their coverage of you on where the line is. So why run all the way to the line or past it if it just means you're going to run into coverage when you can run short of it and catch a pass and then try to make them miss, or maybe they grab your face mask when they're tackling you, or maybe you know. So. Um, I, I know it can be frustrating when, when you see your guy throw short of the sticks, but sometimes that's what you have to do um, to get the play going, and then you need your receiver to make a play. So, And Thielen has been good at that. He's, I mean, there were a lot of times against Green Bay where the first man to Thielen missed. Adam yeah. Thielen made a miss, and sometimes that's what you got to do to get a first down. That's right. All right, now we're going to a Laquan Treadwell block, which – didn't look like a, mm -hmm. a bad block to me, but Jim here is bringing up, I watched the replay on Treadwell's block, and I didn't see helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact around the head or neck area. Why did this penalty get called? So yeah. if you want to explain that yeah. play. The, this was not a, an illegal uh, This was not an illegal hit to the head penalty. This was not about helmet-to-helmet -helmet or anything like that. This was about the, the, new, the new rule as of 2016 is you can't blindside block someone like that. Like you, you have to be parallel to them or above parallel to block them. Mm -hmm. And Laquan was behind this guy and blocked him. So that that was the purpose of the flag, not helmet to helmet or or shoulder to head or anything like that. This was um, a violation of the rule that says you got to be parallel to the guy or above parallel to block him. In their judgment, Laquan was below parallel, and so that's why it was flagged. I'm not here to say it was the right call or the wrong call. I'm just saying the letter of the law says that was a penalty. So it might have helped Laquan if we went to try to take the guy's head off. If we went to, like, try to I – mean, he tried to blow him up. You know, he tried to be physical. Yeah. And I like that. And Laquan's competitive, and he's trying to help his team win. Um, if he would have just put a normal block on him, that could have helped maybe. Uh, but I think if you look at the letter of the law, this, this was a penalty. Yeah, I found that interesting as well. I didn't see helmet to helmet, but like you said, that is in, in the new rule book with yeah. all these hits and all these injuries. So 
I understand the call in that situation. Well, we're going to do the over-under now, okay. and this has been a fun segment each week because we've, we, I think we've been hitting on, on a lot of them. Yeah, you've been hot in over-under. Uh, you been, should be tracking them. That's what you should have been doing. I'm going to go back and, and look at some of these numbers, and maybe we'll, we'll get, get you the results and the standings and maybe keep track of uh, some of, these, some of mm-hmm. these calls that we have here. But we're going to start out with an old Viking, and that's Mike Wallace. He is probably the top wide receiver there in Baltimore. Um, him and Jeremy Macklin, but I'm going under or over three receptions for Mr. Wallace. Okay, right on the nose, three, so we can push here. Push is in play at three. That's I think right. that's a good number. Yeah. I'm going to go, um, but I'm going to go over on this. The Ravens threw deep to Mike Wallace on the first play of the game at Oakland and uh, and hit, and then he had two other deep ones in that game as well. So not sure if Macklin's going to play, and I don't know if Zim is sticking Xavier on Wallace for the whole game. If I knew that, I would be under on this for sure. I don't know that. So with screens, deep passes, maybe Macklin not playing, I think that Wallace will get targeted in this game, and he may come down with more than three, especially because we're going to be winning in the fourth quarter, and Flacco's going to have about 45 pass attempts in this game. So I think Wallace will get at least three. I agree. I'm going over for sure. Um, Three is is what he had last, last week against Chicago. Um, a decent defense there, better defense here with us. Mm-hmm. I'm going three. Uh, like you said, Macklin on the injury report. Mike Wallace is going against his old team. I'm sure he has a little bit of uh, uh, vengeance there, trying to go back For against sure. the Vikings. For and, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give him over three. All right. All right, Everson Griffin. He has had a sack in every single game this season. Under or over one and a half sacks. Oh. That's, a, that's a high number. It is. I understand that, but I came up with this number. Because I'm going with what's yeah. what's been happening every game. Well, um, first of all, Everson, I know you're listening on the Vikings app. Um, <laughs> please fast forward to the next topic. Okay, ready? Three, two, fast forward. Thank you. I'm going to go under. He's going to get one. He's going to get a sack in this game, and it will be one sack in every game this season for him. And he will continue his streak. But I don't think he'll get two. I think Flacco is too smart for that. He's going to get rid of the ball. But Griffin will get him once. As I said, Flacco's going to have about 45 pass attempts in this game, I hope. Yep. And I think Griffin can get to him once. But twice, not sure. I came up with, this, I came up with this number because it's high, and I'm going over. Yes, I, I hope you're right. I think this is going to be the week where a guy like Joe Flacco, who's not fast, he stays in the pocket. Everson yeah. Griffin has beat his guy every week. It's actually a career high for him with six straight games with a sack. Yeah. Um, there's another guy in the NFL, Demarcus Lawrence of Dallas, who is doing the same thing. Yes, but he's already had his bye. He had a week off. He has. So he's got a sack in every game, but he's played one fewer game. That's right. So my man Everson is doing extra out. work against uh, you know compared to him. And I think he'll do some extra work in this one. I'm giving him two. Good. I hope you're right. And the last one for over-under Jarek McKinnon has had some spectacular games catching the ball out of the backfield, running the ball out of the backfield, doing just about everything for the Vikings offense since Dalvin Cook went down. So we're going to do Jarek McKinnon all-purpose yards, which is receiving yards and running yards, 110.5 under or over. So this is combined here. I, I had originally, because I think we're going to keep seeing more and more of Latavius Murray, and because I really like Baltimore's defense, I originally had under on this but I, I'm feeling different as we sit here and chat about this game I'm going over I think McKinnon will get over I think he's going to have five six seven catches I think he's going to have 15 or 20 rushing attempts and he's going to get over 110 I think he was at 99 last week and wow. one 
150 or 160 maybe in Chicago. Yep. Um, so he's, to- he's totaled 245 from scrimmage in the past two games, which yep. is the sixth best in the NFL. So we're we're right around right. that number. And there he's got three two. touchdowns in the last two games. I think he's getting in the end zone again. So Mama McKinnon, we know you listen. <laughs> Your boy's going over 110 this week. I'm over on this one. I'm going. I'm going to go under. Okay. I think he's been great, and it's been fun to watch. It's been we Dalvin Cook went down, and uh, Jarek McKinnon has answered the call. But like you said, yeah. I'm looking for uh, Latavius Murray to get more involved yeah, in this team. I, I think he'll still he'll still have his his day. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to go under. Hey, all that matters is if we get the W, then we'll all be happy, and That's Everson right. won't be mad. I went under one and a half, and Miss <laughs> McKinnon won't be mad at you that you went under one ten and a half. As long as we get the W, everyone's smiling, baby. That's right. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Wobcast. Good job, Corso. Our thanks to Tony Sperano for joining us as the guest on today's Wobcast. You don't hear from Coach Sperano very much, but you heard from him today, so it was an honor and a treat for us to have him on the show. On behalf of producer and co-host Chris Corso, I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, signing off for now. Enjoy the game, everyone. Let's get a victory, and let's go across the pond with a 5-2 and two record and see if we can do some damage over there as well. Have a good weekend, everyone. Talk to you next week. Oh yeah!